Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, as we go to your word right now, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Lord, we ask that you'd minister to every person who is here. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. We pray for those that are watching on live stream or Vimeo or YouTube or those that may hear this later, that you would minister to their hearts as well. Be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You want to get that, Tom? Okay. <laughs> I only do that because I love you, bro, and I know you can take it. It's all good. It happens to me sometimes up here, so don't worry about it. I know. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> all right. Kings. We've talked about how kings, again, this is a time when the children of Israel, because of the disobedience specifically of King Solomon and the falling away from worshiping the true and living God the way that he should have. We know that the kingdom was ripped in two and that there, there would no longer be a descendant of David over all of Israel, but just over the two southern tribes known as Judah. So there's 12 tribes. The 10 northern tribes are Israel and the two southern tribes are Judah. As we've been going through the book of Kings, we have seen that every single king in the northern 10 tribes of Israel has been wicked. Every single one of them. That's not going to change tonight. And then we've seen in Judah, which is, uh, again, the two southern tribes where Jerusalem is, that we have seen that some of the kings, uh, specifically Jehu and a few others, actually were faithfully serving the Lord. And so as we come uh, last week or three weeks ago in 2 Kings chapter three, uh, 13, I told the message, whose footsteps are you following? What kind of example are we leaving for our children and grandchildren? We know that God suffers long, but he won't suffer always. It matters how we worship. We must be mindful of whose example we follow. We, we uh, have free will as to how much we want to participate in God's plan for our lives. We know that our God is a God of miracles. And then finally, if we're not all in, we're missing out on God's highest. So now as we come to tonight's text, we're going to see almost repeatedly, we see that there's a king. He serves a certain amount of time. Usually he falls away from the Lord or he leads the people in the wrong direction and he eventually dies. And then they raise up yet another king. We're going to see that happen tonight. And so I tell the message tonight, Lord, keep us humble and desperate for you. We're going to see a king tonight that's going to start off well, and he's going to start off by honoring the Lord. And he's going to start off by, you know, having, you know, seeking wisdom from the Lord and being a man of faith. But then we're going to see that when he starts to be really successful, when he, when he wins his first battle, he's going to cease to be desperate for God and he's going to cease to look for godly wisdom and he's going to start walking in his own strength. And we can all do that. Amen. We can all get into a place where maybe you're doing really well in your career and, and you cease to be desperate in that area of your life or, or maybe in raising of your children or in your finances or in your walk with the Lord where once we were humble, broken, and desperate and now we can, if we're not careful, we can just kind of put it on cruise control and trust in the mercy of God and the grace of God. And, you know, it's by, you know, grace that we've been saved and by faith that we've been saved, not of works as any man should boast. But we're going to see in tonight's text just how tragic this turns. And, and it should be an exhortation for all of us. So here's the five points we'll look at. 
Let us keep, let's keep us, Lord, keep us humble and desperate for you, starting well when compared to others. We're going to see again that this man, this king, he starts really well. And, and at the same time, he has one area of compromise, the same area that his father had, but he seems to be honoring the Lord, but sadly, it's not going to last. Number two, don't allow God's grace and blessing to become arrogance and self-assurance. The last thing we should ever be as Christians is arrogant. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Bible says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You know, we're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. We're all sinners saved by grace. To God alone be all the praise, the glory, and the honor. Amen? And we should stay humble before him. And you know, the Lord loves us enough to discipline us, if necessary, to keep us humble. Number three, our fleshly actions not only harm us, and our walk with God, but they can so deeply hurt those closest to us. We're going to see in tonight's text that when this king becomes arrogant and prideful and think he can do it, thinks he can just do things on his own and cease, ceases to cry out to God, he's going to bring harm to the entire nation. He's going to bring great harm to, the, to all of Judah because he's going to act in his own way. And you know, as, as parents or as employers, or you know, whatever area where you may have some level, level where you're leading others or serving others, we can fall into the same trap of allowing our fleshly actions to harm not only us, but those that are watching us. We're called to be a Christ-like example to people around us. Number four, we will fail miserably to faithfully lead as soon as we cease to fully surrender to the Lord. If we're not serving, we have no business leading anybody in any way. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. We need to have the hearts of servants. We're going to see that even if you're the king in this case, he needs to recognize he's a servant. And then finally, do not equate worldly riches or success with spiritual blessing. The last portion, we're going to move from the king of Judah to the king in Israel. And, mo and a lot of people are going to look at this king and we're going to see that God, even though this king is very evil, he's, as, he's about as evil as they come. And yet God continues to bless Israel in spite of it. And sometimes we'll look around at people and we'll see somebody that's maybe not walking with the Lord and their lifestyle is very far from it. And they seem to be doing so well. And maybe you as a Christian are struggling. And you might say, well, wait a minute. Why is God blessing that person and not me? Well, it all depends on how you define blessing. See, blessing isn't how much stuff we have, right? Blessing isn't necessarily how comfortable we are. God cares more about our character than our comfort. The greatest blessing of all is that we have intimate fellowship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? That we have the promise of eternal life. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been born again. And see, those are riches that are going to outlast this life. When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. Let's begin there looking at 2 Kings 14. Lord, keep us humble and desperate for you. Let's begin there in verse one. So the first thing we're going to look at is starting well when compared to others. So we're going to see again tonight's chapter, two kings. The first one we're going to look at is the king of Judah. Again, Judah is the southern kingdom. Uh, Jerusalem is in uh, Judah. Let's begin in verse one. In the second year of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, became king. So Amaziah, the son of Joash, Remember, there, are, there have been two kings uh, named Joash, one in the north, one in the south. Obviously, this is in the south, in the southern kingdom. And so what happens is his father dies, 
and he becomes the new king. Now, if you'll remember, his father too, uh, again, seemed to start well in a lot of ways, but sadly, he too continued to allow the worship of uh, the, the, uh, you know, the altars to the false gods in the high places. They actually said they were altars to the true and living God, but they represented it with a golden calf. And the reason it was created and begin, to begin with was Jeroboam, when he became king over the north right after Solomon's time, he didn't want the children of Israel to go down into Judah. He didn't want them to go down into Judah because if they went down there to worship, he was afraid they wouldn't come back. Well, sadly, what happened was it became convenient worship and a lot of people ceased to make the long trek to Jerusalem and just made it as simple on themselves as possible. Well, it also leaked down into Judah where all of a sudden there were altars to all these false gods or altars that were supposed to be the true and living God that were propped up and allowed to remain. And the people began to worship there because it was easier. And the same thing can happen to us. You know, right now, it, guys, we shouldn't try to find the church that's the most convenient, but the place where we're called to go, amen? And the place where we were called to serve and the place where God wants to use is for his glory. And sadly, too often we become consumers when it comes even to worshiping the Lord. Now it says of the king in verse two, he was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehodan of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Well, praise God, he did what was right. A lot of the kings we have seen so far, that's not the case at all. But it says he is doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. Uh, Amaziah is considered to be one of the good kings. He is a believer. He's a follower of Yahweh. The writer of Chronicles says this of him, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. See, outwardly, He's going to look like a really godly man, and he's going to look like a man who really is fully surrendered to the Lord. But man looks on the outward appearance, and God looks on the heart. And we can prove, we can, you know, we can fool, we can fool the world, but we can't fool God. And it's been said, a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And it's when the difficult times of life that we find out: do we fully trust the Lord? We shake our fists to God when things don't go our way. How do we respond to the Lord? And, and so he starts off right, at least from an outward appearance. And again, he was outwardly, I'm a believer in Yahweh. I'm a believer in the true and living God. I'm not, you know, following after idols. But then look what it says at the end of verse three. It says, yet not like his father David, he did everything as his father Joash had done. See, King David was the example because King David followed God completely and fully. But we also know that King David was a flawed man. Amen. King David was an adulterer and a murderer, but he's referred to in scripture as a man after God's own heart. So what makes David a man after God's own heart when he has committed adultery and committed murder and yet say King Saul, it says, God says that he would be better if he had never been king, that God saw Saul as, you know, he ripped the kingdom from him. What's the difference? Saul, you can almost say that Saul's sins were no worse than King David's. Here's the difference. You ready? David repented, Saul didn't. Guys, the whole key to our walk with the Lord 
is walking, is not only repenting to be saved, but continuing to walk in a place of brokenness and repentance before God when we sin. And the way that we know that, we're, that our relationship with the Lord is growing is, as I say often, the time between when we sin and when we repent gets shorter and shorter and shorter. And the way we view our sin, we hate it more and more. Amen? Now we sin every day, and we're sinners saved by grace and not of works, again, lest any man should boast by faith. He continued a generally godly reign of, and the godly general godly reign of his father. He made generally good beginning, adhering closely to the law, but yet he fell short of his, of his you know, great-grandfather or great-great-grandfather, I don't know how many generations goes back, King David. Compared to Joash, Amaziah faithfully continued his, his policies. He continued also in his compromises. Look what it says in verse 4. However, the high places were not taken away. See, he obeyed God, in one, but one area he wouldn't change is the same area where his father blew it. And that is that he allowed these high places, these false altars, where people would go either to worship the true and living God. On, now, they were supposed to go to Jerusalem. They were supposed to bring their sacrifices to the temple, and yet they were going somewhere more convenient. They were making a shortcut when it came to their relationship with the Lord. And sadly, they were not being torn down. Now, remember when Elijah was around, what did he do? He kicked down all the idols to Baal. But the new king came along, and he just did the same thing his father did. And this brings a heavy conviction to my life, and I hope if you're a parent or a grandparent, it does to yours. Our kids are watching. Amen. If you don't have kids yet, be prepared for that. And we want to set a Christ-like example for them. We also want to be transparent and let them know that we too make mistakes and we too need to be forgiven. But what a picture it is that a king comes along and he falls, he's assassinated, and now another king comes along, his son, and his son does the exact same things that his father did. Because again, often uh, our actions are more uh, caught than taught. While following in the footsteps of godly parents or other godly people is a good and wonderful thing, our ultimate example is the Lord. See, we don't compare ourselves to other believers. We don't compare ourselves to other people. We compare ourselves to Christ and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? We keep our eyes on him. God doesn't grade on the curve. He grades at the cross. And our focus needs to be on Jesus Christ. My prayer for my kids and grandkids or for anyone I may have the blessing to minister to is that they love, serve, and follow and glorify the Lord more than I have. My desire is that my kids love Jesus more than I do. My grandkids love Jesus more than I do. Amen? I don't, I don't want to win that. I want to see them fall madly in love with the Lord. I want to know that they have intimate fellowship with the creator of the universe. And that should be our heart. While we seek to follow the Christ-like example of others, we must never use their flaws and shortcomings as an excuse to do the same. This is why you don't follow, you know, your, your, first, your example is not your pastor. Your example is not the Bible study leader. Again, we should be Christ-like examples. 1 Timothy 3 gives 15 qualifications for a pastor. 14 speak of character. Only one speaks of gifting. But too often, pastors fall and their congregation falls. And if that happens, because you're following the wrong person. Amen? We need to follow the Lord and not men. 
While David, too, like Joash, was a sinner, he was referred to again as a man after God's own heart. So while Amaziah was faithful in some areas, or the same areas his father had been, he also compromised in the same areas his father did. He continued to worship the true God, but in the wrong places. It grieved the heart of God. It was false worship. It was a worship of convenience. The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. We want to obey God and honor him. We don't come to God on our terms. We come to him on his. Amen? It says, and people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. This is baffling to me. That at, but at the same time, because God, God writes it down. He makes it so clear. And then you see the king who's been called by God, who says he's a believer in God, propping up altars to false gods or in false places and doesn't take them down. But at the same time, that can describe our lives sometimes where we know what the word of God says and then we know that we're compromising in one area of our life and somehow we excuse it away. We can all do that. We've all done it. Lord, help us to not be satisfied with saved souls and wasted lives. So we see here that He's starting well, but he's also a man of compromise. Now watch verse five. Now it happened as soon as the kingdom was established in his hand that he executed his servants who murdered his father, the king. So they killed his dad. They made him king. And then as soon as he had the power to do so, he put to death all those who murdered his father. Now, what's interesting is that he only murdered those who actually murdered his father. And what was the custom in those days is they would murder them and all their children and all their children's children. Why? Because they knew when they grew up, they may come back seeking vengeance. But we know that the word of God, it says in Deuteronomy, fathers shall not put to death be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall not put to death, for, shall be put to death for his own sin. So here we see this, this dichotomy of Amaziah that, he, yeah, he wants to do what's right in God's eyes, but he allows the altars to stay up. He, he recognizes that uh, putting to death those who murdered his father is lawful, and Tradition would be that you would kill the children as well because they're going to come back seeking vengeance for the death of their parents. But he, he obeys the word of God instead of following after the culture. So in some ways, he followed the culture and just allowed the high places to stay. But in other ways, he remained faithful to the word of God. And again, it can sound like our life sometimes, amen? Where we've got areas of our life where we're really strong in our faith and we're really faithful to serve Lord in this area. And maybe there, again, there's that one area of compromise that we kind of just don't want to walk away from. We continue to make excuses why that behavior is okay. His children, he did not execute. He showed grace. It was a standard practice, again, in the ancient world, not only the guilty party in such a murder, but also his family. So Amaziah, while falling short by allowing to continue worship in high places, showed faith and great courage by obeying the command of God, even though it would potentially be hazardous to himself and his family. See, he obeyed God knowing these kids will grow up. We saw there he's going to be king 29 years. 
So a 12-year-old kid's going to be 41 while he's, while he's the king. And all it takes is one of them to come back after him. But guys, we don't worry about what those consequences will be. We just obey God and leave it in his hands. Amen? We're indestructible till God's through with us and we serve a faithful God. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. And even though there could potentially uh, be revenge, we see that he makes a stand to do the right thing. Now look at verse seven. The rest of verse six, excuse me. Who murdered the father, but the children of the murderers he did not execute according to what was written in the law of Moses in which the Lord commanded him. Fathers shall not put to death their children nor children put to death for their fathers, but a person shall be put to death for his own. He killed 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt and took Selah by war and called its name Joktiel to this day. So now he's become king, and now he's going to war. He goes to war, and the area is uh, where what we know today is the Dead Sea. And it's down in that area, near that area. This is believed to be the city of Petra. Now, sadly, most of you probably know about Petra because you saw it on uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Amen. But Petra is a real city. It was a place that they went to hide. It was, it's from the t biblical times. And he had gone down and, and won a victory. So here he is. Okay, he, he wants to honor the true and living God. Yeah, he left up the high places, but he didn't kill the children. And here he is. He's gone out into battle and he's been victorious. So we look at this king and from the initial glance, we say, well, he's got a blind spot over here with the high places. But you know what? Look, He's been a man of faith in this area. He's been a man of faith and courage in this area. He's won, he's, he led his people into battle. He won the battle. And so we can look at him at this point and say, look, just like us, he's far from perfect, but he's a king that maybe the people would be willing to follow. Second Chronicles, it tells us this, that before he set out to battle, he had hired 100,000 troops from Israel to help him. We're going to see that he actually has an army of 300,000. And he goes down to fight the Edomites. And it says a prophet, it says in 2 Chronicles, which is a companion text, that a prophet came to him and said, don't bring that 100,000 with you. Send them home. So he sent the 100,000 mercenaries from Israel. He sent them back to Israel and just went down with his army and trusted the Lord and they fought the Edomites who had been a thorn in their flesh. They were a neighboring, right? They were neighbors. And we know that they came out of the, you know, they were ungodly. And they won down and they won this battle. So now in a way they've expanded their territory. There's one less enemy to come after them. And God has blessed him. So, so far again, he's got this area that he's followed the example of several generations before him by not tearing down those altars in the high places. But we see in a lot of areas where he seems to be very faithful and God is showing him favor. So point number one there is starting well, especially when compared to others and outwardly a man of humility, faith, courage, and power who heeded godly counsel. And again, we need to remain humble, broken, and desperate to be usable for the kingdom of God. It says in 2 Chronicles, now it is so after Amaziah came from slaughter of Edomites that he brought the gods of the people of Seir and set them up to be his gods and bowed down before them and burnt incense. What in the world are you talking about? I go and I read the companion text and I'm like, so God gives you the victory. 
God brings you through it. You destroy your enemy, but then you bring back their gods with you. They're gods that were so lame, they just got whipped. Can I get an amen to that? And you bring them back with you, maybe out of, I don't know, uh, curiosity. Uh, you think they're, they're baubles or toys, or maybe as a, a way of showing you've been victorious. And then he gets home and he sets them up and starts worshiping them. What happened, bro? You want to jet? What, what are you doing? How in the world? You were crying out to God. God brought you victory and you bring back. But guys, this can happen to all of us where we bring things from the world and we allow them to become more important than the Lord. Amen? Saw a guy on TV, he said, a, a, a pastor friend of mine who I know and uh, someone pointed it to him because he was praying for us and our son. And uh, he just, he said, man, can you imagine if we spent as much time, and I've said things like this, in, our, in the word as we do on our phone. What kind of giants would we be? Amen. And we got to be careful that these things can become idols. Amen. And again, nothing wrong with technology. They can be used for God's glory. They can be wonderful ways. But we just need to make sure that we don't get so caught up in the things of the world that we don't spend enough time in the presence of the Lord. Amen. By the way, time with the Lord should be a get to, not a have to. It's not drudgery to hang out with the King of Kings. As you can imagine, I have prayed more in the last three weeks than I've ever prayed. It was three weeks ago tonight, I was here and got home and then found my son in the morning. And uh, boy, it's hard. I feel like someone's ripped my heart out. And it's only by the grace of God I'm even standing up right now. But you know what? Our God is good, amen? And you know what? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And he closed his eyes on earth. And my son was flawed just like the rest of us. He struggled with depression for 12 years. But I'm so thankful that I know I'm going to see him again because God's son died. I get to see my son again. Amen. And so I'm praying more than ever. And you know what? I don't want you. I don't want anybody else. I know there's a few other people in this room right now that are in that club. We've talked about it. And it's a place you don't want anybody to be. But you know what? No suffering is wasted. And whatever trials we may go through, God will use them for his glory if we will but let him. Amen? We need to stay humble and say, Lord, you know, take even this and use it for your kingdom and your glory. And instead he brings home, God brings victory and he, seek, he seeks out the gods of the very people he had destroyed. So it was, it said that the king said to him, have you made king's counselor cease? Why should you be killed? The counselor, the, the prophet comes to him and says, you're worshiping false gods. Why are you doing that? You're going to die if you don't stop. That's pretty heavy. And sadly, perhaps it's, uh, it started by simply thinking again, he was taking home some prizes from his victory. But before it was over, he was worshiping the false gods of this world. Can I say this too? Guys, we don't worship anything but Jesus. Nothing. No one. Amen. We don't worship sports teams. We don't worship politicians. We don't worship, I love our country and I'm glad I live here and I think it's the greatest country in the world, but this country isn't in the top thousand compared to Jesus, amen? I'm glad we live here. I'm thankful for it. I praise God for our country. I'm thankful for the freedoms that we have. I'm blessed to live here, but way before I'm an American, I'm a Christian. And guys, we need to live with Jesus being the priority even above everything else, amen? 
And sadly, we see here this compromise can come and we can all fall into that trap if we're not careful. Point number two, don't allow God's grace and blessing to become arrogance and self-assurance. So he just won a big battle. How come? It's not a trick question. How come he won the battle? God was on his side. Amen? God went before him. God had a prophet come and tell him to send the mercenaries home. He went out in faithful obedience and God brought victory. Now watch what he does. Look at verses 8, 9, and 10. Then Amaziah, excuse me, and messengers to Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, come let us face another in battle. So he sends a message to the king of Israel. By the way, Judah and Israel, they're all God's kids. Amen. And he challenges Israel to go to war. And why does he do that? Because he just won a battle and he's getting full of himself. Hey, we just whipped the Edomites. Bring on Israel. I'm going to be the king of this whole thing, man. I'm going to bring it on. Let's, let's just, let's, hey, you guys want to go into a battle? Let's do it. And again, here he is putting his faith. Now, do we see any prayer before that challenge went out? Do you see him seeking any godly counsel from anybody? after my son died, my whole family wants to move to Colorado. They just want to move. They want to move because that's where my kids, my other grandkids are, and they just want to move to Colorado. My wife wants to move to Colorado. They want to move to Colorado. We're not going anywhere until God tells us to go. Amen. And we can make the mistake when something tragic happens to have a knee-jerk reaction. Amen. And we want whatever decisions we make in any area of life to be moved by the Holy Spirit, not by our circumstances. Amen. And so here he has, he's, because he just won a battle, he's full of himself. He's not on his knees. He's not crying out to God. He's not seeking wisdom from the Lord. He just thinks he's a, he thinks he's a bad dude, right? I got this. Okay, hey, let's go challenge Israel. Let's, let's unify this nation again. Let's wipe those people out. Well, they're God's people too. And look what happens. Verse nine. It says, and Jehoash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, the thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, give me your daughter from, to my son, his wife. And a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. Now, this is a this, if you're not paying attention, now thistle is like a little weed. It's nothing. It's like a little tiny weed. The cedars of Lebanon were known to be the most awesome and, and greatest of all the trees on, on the earth, right? And basically what he's saying, paraphrase, hey, dude, you're a weed. I'm a tree of Lebanon. You're challenging you little thistle down there, you want to come fight with me. And I'm just telling you, a wild boar will run through and trample you out before you even get here. Basically, what he's doing is he's warning him. He's forewarning him. Dude, you're out of your depth. You obviously have not. And, and sadly, this king is also ungodly. But he's warning him that if you engage us, it's not going to work out well for you. So he's giving him counsel. Now, for us, it's so important that we get godly counsel. I have three pastor friends who've all lost children and I've been on the phone with them every single day. I need their counsel. I need their encouragement. We encourage each other. It's important. Amen. I call them up when I'm at my worst moments, just you know, beside myself and they encourage me. And you know what? And that's the way the body of Christ should operate. 
You know, when you're weak, maybe I can be strong for you. And when you're strong you and I'm weak, you be strong for me. Amen? That's called fellowship. Now, the Lord is the ultimate place we find our strength. It's the Holy Spirit that comforts us. But the Bible says there's wisdom in the counsel of many. And we need godly counsel. And so he doesn't seek godly counsel. He makes a decree and then he gets a warning back. Like, bro, really? You're a thistle, man. You've been a king for five minutes. You want a battle. Get over yourself. That's Pastor Day paraphrase, but that's kind of what he's saying to him. Like, bro, relax. Now look at verse 10. You have indeed defeated Edom, and your heart has lifted you up. Glory in that and stay at home. For why should you meddle in trouble so that you fail that you fail? You and Judah with you. It's like, dude, relax. Stay home. Quit sticking your nose in something you're not ready for. And by the way, if you come, the whole nation's going to get punished for your choice. The decision you make is going to harm your entire family. And you need to make sure that your, your, your entire nation in this case, right? And so that's why it's so important. Guys, let's not be making decisions based on the flesh. Let's not have knee-jerk reactions. Let's make sure that we spend time in God's presence and seek his face and walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit to make sure that we hear from him before we move. Amen? By the way, if someone gives me an ultimatum, the answer is no. Amen? Other people come to me. It hasn't happened really at this church, but the church I used to pastor, I had a guy that knew me well, and he came and said, if you don't do this, starting immediately, we're not coming to your church anymore. Gonna miss you. <laughs> Amen. Ultimatums, not so much. Hey, let's pray together about it. Let's seek the Lord. Let's get his wisdom. Amen. And here he is. He's kind of being left off the hook here. He's like, bro, just go home. Quit sticking your nose in something. You're not ready for this. You've been a king for five minutes. Just stop meddling. That's good advice for all of us. By the way, not everything going on around you is your business anyway. Amen? We think because of social media, everybody's business is our business, but the reality is that it's just not the case. And we need to quit worrying about everybody else. I'll tell you whose sin I'm, I, uh, I'm worried about the most, my own. Amen? I look in the mirror and, and I'm crying out to the Lord for my own walk far more than I'm worried about, you know, being the, you know, the, the sin sniffer, right? Going around, <laughs> dividing rod, you know what I mean? Dude, you know. And again, if someone's in open rebellion and because we love them, we want to reach out to them in love and we're never self-righteous and you come alongside them, Matthew 18, put your arm around them and encourage them. How can I pray for you? How can I help you? not being arrogant and self-righteous. Look, you defeated Edom, okay. Uh, his army greatly outnumbered uh, Israel, but Israel was not afraid. So again, the lesson learned here is to not stick our noses in places we don't belong. He got involved in ungodly things. Now, why do you think that he's become arrogant? Well, part of it may have been he's worshiping false gods. Amen. He's watching Netflix instead of being in his Bible, amen, right? He's, he's sitting there looking at the little idols and he's praying to them and burning incense and now he has a great idea to go fight the other 10 tribes of God's people. Nowhere does that come from the Lord. That's come directly from his flesh. And you know why it's coming from his flesh? Because he's not feeding the spirit. You've heard me say this, there's a battle every day between the spirit and the flesh and which one wins the battle? The one you feed the most. 
Amen? We spend time in the word. We spend time in prayer. We walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. God will give us victory and temptation. God will help us walk, uh, you know, give us direction on how to live for him every day. But when we're walking in the flesh, we disregard the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And sadly, it can lead to heavy consequences. He had been carrying around and carrying on with those false idols. The Bible says, can a man hold fire to his bosom and not be burned? Sometimes we get involved in battles that aren't ours for a long time. Again, we should be peacemakers, not troublemakers. Amen? It says in Proverbs 26, he who passes by and meddles into a quarrel, not only his own, is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Man, I like that. So if you go get involved in an argument that's not even your own, you start to meddle into someone else's business, the equivalent of taking a dog by the ears, that's not going to turn out too good for you. So he's telling them to stay at home. The lesson here would have been to listen to advice. And sometimes truth comes from most unusual places. God will use, in this case, this king's not walking with the Lord either, but this really is the right counsel he should receive. You know, God used a donkey to speak to Balaam, Amen. God will use people to speak into our lives. God will use the word of God. We need to seek the Lord. Let's be led by the Holy Spirit. He who is often rebuked and hardened his neck will suddenly be destroyed and without remedy. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. This guy is convinced he's all that. It's all about me now. I got it. I'll take care of it. Get out of the way coming after you. That was his mentality. Point number three, our fleshly actions not only harm us, and our walk with God, but can so deeply hurt those closest to us. Look at verse 11. It says there, but Amaziah would not heed. Therefore Jehoash, king of Israel, went out. So he and Amazon, king of Judah, faced one another at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. I love Beth Shemesh. When you go to Israel, if we ever get to go back there, I don't, you know, with COVID and all this stuff, but Beth Shemesh is one of the most restored cities in all of Israel. It's beautiful. I mean, like buildings, and you can tour through it. You walk on the streets. It's amazing. And so they met each other kind of halfway, and they go into battle here at Beth Shemesh. They're engaging one another in war, a war that never should have taken place. But because of Amaziah's uh, walking in his own flesh and desiring what he wants, it says there, And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his tent. So he goes out, he steps out in his own strength. He's been worshiping in front of false idols. He's doing things in his flesh. He sought no godly counsel. He didn't heed the counsel he, was, he received. He went out into battle and he got soundly whipped. And you know what? We probably all can relate to that as well. Where we knew that we were doing something contrary to what God wanted us to do. We went in that direction anyway. We didn't seek or heed godly counsel. And then here's the tragic part. We lose and then we want to blame God. We disobey God. We don't seek God. And then, man, if God loved me, why did this happen? Well, God does love you, but the way of the transgressor is hard. He sought no godly act, uh, wisdom, no godly direction. And then notice what happens in verse 13. Then Jehoash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, and son of Jehoash, the son of Isaiah, at Beth Shemesh. And he went to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of, the, of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits. Because of his disobedience, Jerusalem was under attack. And the city, God's city, where the temple was, 
He went in and brought destruction and took some of the things out of Jerusalem and is going to carry them back to his capital up in northern Israel. So here we have two groups of people that are all descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were the ones who came, their descendants came into the land of promise after passing through the Red Sea. They spent 430 years in bondage in Egypt. God, the pillar of cloud went before them and the, then God gave them victory over giants in the land. And then because of the disobedience of Solomon, they were divided into two tribes. And now you've got one tribe that's supposed to follow the same God, bringing, destructive, bringing destruction upon the city of Jerusalem and the area surrounding the temple, and carrying it back to Israel. we got two ungodly kings not honoring the Lord. It's a mess. It's a mess. Guys, this is why I look. I've stepped on enough toes. I, I step on a few more. I'm sick of politics. I'm sick of it. I'm just sick of it. Because you know what? There's no politician that is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Amen. And again, vote, vote biblically, do all that. I'm okay with that. But we're putting weight, oh, if that guy was president, he's another sinner who needs Jesus. I don't care who it is, amen? And what we need is to hold on to the Lord with both hands and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. I wanna be more identified as a Christian with Jesus Christ than any politician, amen? And what's happening is we're, we're looking for the answer in in. And Amaziah, we're looking for the answer and whoever the next king is, that's what's going to fix it. The only thing that's going to fix our country is revival. The only thing that's going to fix our country is when we get on our knees and start worshiping the Lord. I have a buddy who lives down the street from me. He drives by my house all the time. He's got four Trump flags that are huge. He drives by and I see him and I go, bro, where's your Jesus flag? Uh, Stop, dude. Amen. Amen. Look, I don't want to win arguments. I want to win people to Jesus. I want to see people saved. My son's in heaven. I can't wait to get there. But the time I've got left, I want to be about it for the kingdom of God. I'm tired of arguing about stuff that's not eternal. Amen? What matters is, what have you done with God's son? Amen? Is our country a mess? Yeah. You know why it's a mess, though? Because we need revival. Because we need to get back on our knees. We need to cry out to the Lord. And I pray the Lord does whatever it takes to get our country back on its knees. Amen? Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some put their faith in a military. Some put their faith in a political party. Some put my faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen? I'm tired of arguing. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to just debate. By the way, if you want to get the vaccine, get it. If you don't want to get it, don't get it. If you want to wear a mask, wear it. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear it. We're not dividing over that either. Amen? Amen? No more division. Let's stop it. Let's just love people in Jesus' name. If Jesus came in here wearing a mask, would you chastise him? He wouldn't wear one. He didn't need one. He's God. Get get Amen? But the point I'm making is that it grieves my, I'm saying the same thing. Here you got Israel and Judah. They're supposed to be following the same God and they're fighting with each other. And they're fighting with each other so much that they've taken their eyes off the Lord. And they're only thinking about the, the opponent instead of keeping their eyes on God. Amen? And it breaks my heart. 
Our fleshly actions not only harm us, but they harm those closest to us. Look at verse 14. He took all the gold and silver and all the articles that were found in the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house and hostages and returned to Samaria. He took the gold that was used to worship the Lord. He took the things that were used to worship God and he took them all back with him to Samaria. What in the world is going on? So sad. You know what would have solved this whole war? A prayer meeting. Amen? If those two kings had come together and got on their knees, but see, neither one of them were following God. They were both walking in their own arrogance. They were both walking in the flesh. We need to die to the flesh, die to ourselves. And again, be more focused on winning people to, to the Lord. Our actions can so deeply hurt so many others. And sad. It's heartbreaking. Judah was defeated. And the main reason was because Amaziah was prideful. And his pride would go before destruction and his haughty spirit before a fall. They took hostages away. They took the things that belonged in the temple. You know what? There's safety and humility. Amen? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. When you think you're all that, you need to get over yourself. It's never about you. It's always about him. Now, he loves you so much that he'd rather die than live without you. But guys, it's never about us. It's always about him. And you know what? When we give our life to him, he could do with it whatever he wants. And we're going to praise him no matter what. Amen? Praise him in the storm. Praise him always. We get so caught up in things that just aren't important. Our pride takes us down a dangerous path. Amaziah lost so much because of his pride. If he had just been faithful right where he was, God would have continued to have blessed him. It says in Luke 22, now there was also a dispute among them as to who was considered the greatest. And he said to them, the king of the Gentiles exercised lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them were called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is the greatest among you, let him be the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you. I am one who serves. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. Let's serve and not seek to be served. The world defines success by how many people serve you. And Jesus would say it's how many people you serve. Point number four, he will fail miserably, we will fail miserably to faithfully lead as soon as we cease to surrender to the Lord. Look at verse 15. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoash which he did, his might, and, and how he fought with Amaziah, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehoash rested with his fathers as were buried in Samaria in the king of Israel. Then Jeroboam, the son, reigned in his place. Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Jehoash, the son of Jehoiada, king of Israel. Now the rest of the acts of Amaziah, are they not written in the book of Chronicles and of the kings of Judah? And they formed a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish, and they sent after him in Lachish, and they killed him there. The results are in. One out of every one person dies. And sadly, both of these kings who had walked in arrogance, they died too. And their kingdoms, if they were not written in the Bible, would have been completely forgotten about. But God leaves them in his word for reason to show us 
Then Amaziah got caught up in his own arrogance and his own pride. He acted without seeking the Lord. And in the end, he was assassinated just like his father was. What's interesting is many historians believe that he was killed by some of the sons of the people he killed that assassinated his dad, who he chose not to kill in obedience to the Lord. And they came back and killed him because he disobeyed the Lord. Way the transgressor is hard. So much better just to obey God and trust him. They formed a conspiracy against him. He was defeated by Joash up the north, but he lived 15 years longer than him. And again, he may have just been much younger. Amaziah's dad, Joash, was also a victim of conspiracy. When Joash walked away from the Lord, two of the servants made conspiracy against him, it says in 2 Kings 12, and killed him, allowing Amaziah to, be, to come to the throne. Amaziah has now gone in the footsteps of his father, beginning. So look, he, his dad was allowed idolatry. He had idolatry. His dad became arrogant. He became arrogant. His dad was, his dad was uh, murdered. He was murdered. Guys, I pray that we want better for those behind us than we have. Amen? That our kids would be walk closer to the Lord. Our grandkids would walk closer to the Lord than we do. Amen? And that we would try to lead by example. You know one of the greatest things you can do as an example is when you do blow it, be quick to tell your kids you blew it. Amen? Sit them down and say, Dad was wrong. Shouldn't have done that. Be an example. It's Amaziah's loss in the biddle and ensuing consequences that caused the people of Judah to turn against their own king. See, they turned against him because he took them in a battle they didn't want to go into. And then they went out into the battle and they lost. And then they looked to their king and said, you blew it. And so they assassinated their king. Again, Lachish was the first of the cities that Judah uh, had adopted their idolatry. See, here's what happened. Some of the very... In the very place where he had gone, one of some of the gods he was worshiping is the city where he was killed when he ran to hide. See, he ran to hide there because he was familiar with their gods. He thought it would be a safe place. He ended up dying there. Guys, if you follow any other god than the true and living God, it will only lead to death and separation. It doesn't matter if it's money, fame, fortune, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. The enemy always promises pleasure and delivers heartache. It says there in verse 20, then they brought him, brought him on horses and he was buried at Jerusalem with his fathers in the city of David. Josephus, who is a, a non-biblical writer, but from the time of Jesus, said he was given a royal funeral. Isn't it odd? These people kill him, then they turn around and give him a, a they celebrate his death and give him a royal, because they're, again, they're more caught up in tradition than they are walking with the Lord. We need to be careful of that. As well, And they go to Cesar, all the people of Judah took Azariah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father, Amaziah. Now, this is crazy. They assassinate, they assassinate the king, and then they make his son king. They assassinate the king and make his son king. Usually when they assassinate the king, they kill all their kids too. And that's what happened in Israel. But you know why this doesn't happen in Judah and it never happens in Judah? Because God had promised King David that in Judah would always be someone from his line. 
His ancestors would always rule in Jerusalem, which we know now, of course, is the city of David. So even though they assassinated the father, they put the son in his place because there's nothing the world can do if God doesn't allow it. Amen. God is on the throne. He is in control. You guys are the midweek crowd. I'll be real transparent with you. I, and I know it's the enemy. I have beat myself up so much about things I could have done different. Last Thursday night, I stayed here till midnight with Joshua waiting, doing, waiting for his daughter to come home. And my son was texting people at 9.30. And I would usually be home by then and I could have talked to him. Usually at night when I come home, all the lights were on. I turn them all off and I usually go into his room and check on him. And I didn't check on him. And all these things that you, you just beat yourself up. Well, if I'd checked on him, maybe it wouldn't have happened. And you know, if I'd gotten home earlier, maybe we would have sat in front of the TV like we would and talked about the Lord and it wouldn't have happened. But guys, we cannot preach the sovereignty of God on Sunday and not believe in it on Monday. Amen? Amen. Because the reality is, God is sovereign. God is in control. And I know my son struggled, but if you read through his Bible and you heard him talk, there's not a doubt in my mind that he closed, and there's no more depression anymore. There's no more anxiety anymore. And I'm going to see him again, but I'm going to hurt every day till I get there. But you know what? We're gonna, we, we praise him no matter what. Amen? We praise him no matter what. I, you know what? You know, it's impossible to do this without the Lord. Amen? And you know what? I know uh, there's a lot of people who have gone through as much or more than I have. And as I've told people repeatedly, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do that hurts more than this. It just isn't. I know a couple people in the room would say amen to that because I know you've gone through it as well. Several people, actually. So Judah, they took Azariah, who was 16 years old, and they made him the king. Now, what's really awesome about this is this, uh, his name is Azariah, but it's also his, another way you can... Uh, pronounce or interpret that name is Uzziah. And when you get to Isaiah chapter six, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne and the train of his robe filled his temple. See, the son of Amaziah is not gonna follow in the same pattern as his dad, his grandfather, and his great-grandfather. Uzziah is going to be this Azariah, this man right here, this the newest king, he is going to be the greatest king in Israel outside of David. See, just because your parents blew it, just because somebody was leading you in the wrong direction, doesn't mean you have to follow that, amen? And we're gonna see King Uzziah is gonna break the mold and he's gonna be used mightily by God and God's gonna do great and awesome things to the son of an idol worshiper. Then it says there in verse 22, he, beat, he built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his father. So the, where the other king went, his father went and destroyed the Edomites. May have not been wrong, could have been from the Lord, but then he went and wanted to fight Israel. While he was out seeking destruction, his son came along and was restoring things that had been destroyed. He was putting things back together. And I love that picture. Finally, point number five, do not equate worldly riches or success with spiritual blessing. So now we're gonna move back up to Israel and we're gonna look at another king. So we've been looking at the king of Judah and now we go back to, you know, coinciding around the same time. And we're gonna take a look at Israel, these last seven verses. Let's begin there, verse 23. In the 15th year of Amaziah, 
the son of Joash, king of Judah. Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria and reigned 41 years. So we saw that the previous king had lived 15 years into uh, Amaziah's reign, and now a new king has come along, and he's going to reign for 41 years. Now look what it says about him. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. So another Jeroboam, the first Jeroboam is the one who established the false altars in Bethel and Dan, where people would go instead of going to Jerusalem to worship the true and living God. He has the same name. He's a descendant of him several generations later, and he does evil in the sight of the Lord. Was a wicked king who continued in, to be a, in politically motivated idolatry for, uh, of his namesake, Jeroboam. During his reign, the prophets Jonah and Amos spoke boldly for God. Isaiah was a contemporary. So Isaiah, Amos, and Jonah were all contemporaries of this king. And if you read Amos, it's going to talk about how horrible Israel was during that time, during the reign of, you could call him Jeroboam II. He's got the same name as many generations before, but he's an evil and a wicked king. It says, he restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, of, of the Lord God of Israel, which had spoken through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, and the prophet who was from Gath, he fair. So he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the evil that was being done. He restored the territory of Israel under Jeroboam. The northern kingdom is going to expand. It's going to be bigger than it's been any time since Solomon. So from the outward appearance, our country's growing. This guy's a great king. Uh, at the same time, he was during the time of Jonah. You know, as Jonah, as we know, uh, we think of him more of Tarshish, right? We think about him not wanting to go to Nineveh. We think about him getting swallowed by a big fish and barfed up on the beach. And then when everybody gets saved, he sits under a tree, is mad because he hates those people and didn't want him to get saved. But we do know, again, according to even texts like this, uh, there was a prophecy that he gave concerning the enlargement of the kingdom. And again, in this incident is recorded in the book of Jonah. I wonder what's first, him getting bar probably him getting barfed up on the beach and then he becomes a prophet, right? Because God's gotten a hold of his life. Gath-Hufer, it says there in verse 25, is about 15 miles west of the Sea of Galilee, three miles north of Nazareth. And so when the Jews were beginning to figure out what to do with Jesus, they answered and said, are you also from Galilee? Search and look for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. Well, already we see several prophets have arisen out of Galilee, but we got it right here in this text. And again, the first place the Bible is mentioned uh, in Galilee is right here. It's the Sea of Galilee where they had conquered the area. And we know that Amos and Hosea were there at the same time, among others. Now look, let's finish up. It says there, For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel was bitter, and whether bond or free, there was no helper for Israel. So even though they had an evil king, and even though many of them were worshiping false idols, and even though they were not truly following the Lord, the Lord is going to show them mercy for his namesake. It's kind of interesting. We've gone along with Israel was under affliction. It's kind of judgment for their sin, for being disobedient to him. But even in that affliction, God allows 
uh, on our lives, pours out grace upon our lives from time to time, and again is merciful. Guys, he cares about us. Last three verses. And the Lord did not say he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Josh. We just saw how wicked Jeroboam is, and God still redeems it. God still saves them. That means it doesn't matter necessarily who the president is. God can still bring revival. Doesn't matter how wicked the Senate is, or how wicked the mayor is, or how wicked whatever the laws are, God can still break through all of that for the sake of his people. Amen? And that's exactly what happens here. Jeroboam's a wicked king, he's an evil king. And God blesses them nonetheless. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam and all that he did, his might, how he made war, how he recaptured for Israel from Damascus to Hamath, what he, what he had belonged to Judah. Are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the king of Israel? So Jeroboam rested with his fathers, the kings of Israel, then Zechariah, his son, reigned in his place. So in these short verses, here's what you hear about Jeroboam, second Jeroboam. He's mighty in war. He's recaptured territory. We know from archaeology that the economy was booming, okay? Because we see that the, site, the layers, the houses got bigger, the land got greater. They seemed to be doing much better. Uh, there was political revival under his rule. He left behind a strong kingdom. So prosperity, security, strength outward appeared to be blessed, but the guy was spiritually bankrupt and the foundation was rotten to the core. See, guys... The things that we think we want are not. Now, it's okay to have a good economy, but that's not the answer. It's okay to have a more moral country. It's wonderful. But guys, that's not the answer. All the things that we think, to have military might greater than any other nation, that's a good thing for us. But that's not the answer. And all the things that we think will fix the problem, the problem isn't Afghanistan. The problem isn't who's in the White House. The problem is sin. And the answer is Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead. And guys, that's where our hope lies. And you know what? We should be talking more about the Lord than anything else. When we get into, uh, pray for divine appointments, pray for opportunities to share the hope that lies within you. Guys, when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. It's so sad when I read people, people's obituaries and they talk about who their favorite sports team was or what their favorite hobby was. Nothing wrong with those things. But I'll tell you what, if I die before your guys, just my obituary, all that needs to say is he loved the Lord. Amen? Let's follow God. Let's represent him well. Let's not be duped by a guy who brings a good economy. Jeroboam did. A guy who defeated all our enemies. Jeroboam did. And guess what? The man was evil. The man was wicked. And the man's spending eternity separated from Almighty God. Guys, we want to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? So in closing, Lord, keep us humble and desperate. Starting well when compared to others. Guys, we don't compare ourselves to others. We compare ourselves to Christ, all have fallen short of the glory of God. We need to be repentant and stay humble and broken before him. Amen? Number two, don't allow God's grace and blessing to become arrogance and self-assurance. There's nothing, there's few things more nauseating than an arrogant Christian. We, we, we all know that we have nothing to be arrogant about. We can be, we're blessed, we're thankful, but we should not be prideful. Just remember, it's pride that got Satan and a third of the angels thrown out of heaven. Amen? 
Number three, our fleshly actions not only harm us in our walk with God, but can also hurt those closest to us. See, when we get in the flesh, we can blow our testimony. When we get in the flesh and we're not seeking the Lord, we can bring harm to the cause of Christ. We can stumble those closest to us. We will fail miserably to faithfully lead as soon as we cease to fully surrender to the Lord. Again, the first thing we need to be is servants. By the way, this church is so filled with servants. You guys are the most loving people. You've been so amazing to my family. I cannot thank you enough. You guys, have been, you guys are incredible. I'm so thankful for my church family. I love you guys. I wouldn't want to be anywhere but here. And then finally, do not equate worldly riches or success with spiritual blessings. See, some would look at Jeroboam and say, he's got it all. Wow, God's really blessing him. You know what really matters? Sometimes we'll look at somebody and they'll look like they're down on their luck or they're struggling with depression like my son, or they may have a difficulty in their life and we may think, you know, poor them, but in reality, they're better off than someone who's got everything the world has to offer, but, don't, but they don't have Jesus. Amen? Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. I thank you for everybody who's here tonight. I know many grieving, many going through difficult times, we know there's many at home sick right now. We pray for them. We miss them. We pray to bring them back uh, whole. Heal them, Lord, we pray. But Lord, we, we want to live our lives for you. We want to be the best workers in the building. We want to be the, the kindest neighbors. But Lord, we want to do all of that so that we might point people to the truth. The only place where hope is, is in you. We grieve, but not as those without hope. We go through difficulties, but you're a faithful God. In the midst of the storm, help us to keep our eyes on you, not on the waves. We do pray for our country. Bring revival here. But Lord, start in our hearts first. Lord, if you want to see the, the world turned upside down, start in our houses, start in our homes, start in our lives. So be glorified, we pray. I thank you for everyone who's here. Bless them, encourage them, strengthen them. If somebody here that's hurting, comfort them. You're the God of all comfort. Lord, we ask these things in your holy and your precious name, we pray. And all God's people said...